Okay, um, welcome everybody and um, thank you for coming today. We, um, we have to learn a little bit better about team spirit because we are the champions, my friends, and we uh, have been made more than conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen to that? So I'd like to give up, I'd like us to give Jesus the praise like, I'd like us to really get out of our shy comfort zone, get out of our shy, quiet personality, and let's give God, not yet, but on the count of three, let's, let's really make some noise. Let's, let's shake the, the, the building a little with our praise because he shook heaven and earth to come down and save you. He shook heaven and earth to come down and save me. And I'm not gonna let myself um, be subdued by the forces of darkness in this world. But praise is a powerful weapon. And I want us to be praise warriors that truly give God the, the praise that he deserves, the glory that Jesus earned, the honor that is rightfully his, the, ma the magnification, the magnifying, the, the glorifying, the praising, like a savior that died on the cross for us, He's worthy of so much more. He's worthy of all the honor and all the glory. And on the count of three, I want us to really praise him like he deserves it. Can you join with me? One, two, three. Come on, let's praise our God. Church, well done. Go ahead and be seated. You know, when Iris was leading that song about not being shy and not letting my soul stay, talking to my soul and saying, hey, I'm not going to let you stay shy here. And I thought, man, that's me, Lord. I'm shy like that sometimes. And he said, you know what that is, right? I said, just, you know, like social anxiety. He said, no, that's pride. I'm trying to get away with social anxiety here. And the Lord's like, no, that's pride. When you are more concerned about how you look, getting wild, or getting crazy, or praising God with demonstratively, it's pride that says, oh, you don't act like that. That's not your personality. Boy, the Bible says every angel that beholds the face of God bows before him, worships him 24 hours a day, saying glory to God in the highest, saying worthy is the lamb who sits upon the throne. There's no, nobody shy in heaven because there's nobody with pride in heaven because the last one that had pride in heaven got kicked out. 
and became the devil. You see, the devil is the source of all pride. And pride comes before destruction. But God gives grace to the humble. Jesus is the co-creator of the universe with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And he came down as a child. He was willing to be born as a baby and go through all of the growing pains of boyhood, childhood, young adulthood, manhood, all the pains and all of the sufferings that he endured, that he was humble enough to be willing to dwell among us, we should be far more humble, aware of his presence and aware that he dwells among us. We should have nothing but gratitude and honor for this great, humble king, Jesus, not just born into the earth as a man, but became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And God has highly exalted him because he so lowly humbled himself, God so highly exalted him, gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We're going to sing his praises forever. We should praise him by faith when we don't see him because there is going to be all eternity that we're going to praise him because we do see him. But I think the greatest joy that we can find and the peace that we can find is when we can find it within ourselves to praise him who we do not see yet. Because if we can praise him who we do not see yet, for this is what glorifies him. Because we take him at his word that he is seated on the throne. We take him at his word that he is the king of kings. We take him at his word that he is coming back. And it's a good thing to take him at his word because when he's when for hundreds of years, the prophets prophesied that Emmanuel would come the first time. And boy, he came the first time and he was quite a surprise to many people who thought he was going to come in all of his glory, thought he was going to come on a white horse, thought he was going to come with hair on fire and eyes like flames of fire. And they were right. He is going to come that way, but he's going to come that way. The second coming, the first coming, he came as a baby. The first com coming, he came unassuming. The first coming, he came with little attention. But oh, when he comes again, there will be no denying his glory. There will be no denying his worthiness. There will be no denying his beauty. There will, no, there will be no denying his splendor, his majesty, his glory. And we will praise him for ages upon ages upon ages. 
But when we praise him, when we don't feel like it, that's when we take possession of our soul. That's when we begin to reign in life. That's when we begin to own our life rather than being possessed and owned by it. We become the possessors of our soul. We become the people who know how to rule and reign in life because we're not praising him when we feel like it. We're praising him because he's worthy. And whether we feel like it or not, we're giving him all the glory that he deserves. Amen. So man, take your pride and throw it at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, deliver me. Because if the son of God could humble himself and become a child so that we as children could become sons of God, the son of God became a man so that men could become the sons of God, so that women could become the daughters of God. I need a better amen, ladies. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah chapter 9 tells us, and a son is given. There are two gifts here that God gives us in Isaiah. He's given us a child so we could become God's child. He has given us a son so we, we could become God's sons and daughters. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. There are two gifts here that God gives us through Jesus and two gifts that God gives us as a result of Jesus. For unto us a child is born so that we can become children of God and unto us a son is given so we can become sons and daughters of God. To become a child of God and a son or daughter. You might think, what's the difference? Well, the difference is, is that a child is a part of the family but doesn't, hasn't learned how to act and, and live on his own and live by the choices that he makes. A child is told what to do. We're born again, we are children of God, but as we learn and walk in this relationship with him and we learn to walk on our own two feet, to walk by faith, to live by the promises of God, to, to honor him who we don't see, to rejoice when we don't feel like it, to love him who we have not seen, to believe in him whom we've only heard about, and to praise him because we believe he's risen from the dead. That's when we become sons. That's when we develop as sons and daughters. That's when we can start prophesying to the mountains to be removed and cast into the sea. Children need somebody else to do it for them, but sons and daughters can do it themselves in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen here today? Boy, we have been given such power. We have been given such so many gifts here. But if you ask me if I were to start over in my life, this is what I would do. I'm going to take you to this verse. It might not sound like a Christmas verse to you, but if I had to press restart on my life, this is what I would do. If I had to press restart on our church, on our beautiful Life Changers Church here in the city of Chicago, 
on 15th and Loomis. Can anybody say amen? We have a, we are a church. We're not just a building. We are the church. We praise him and we worship him in a building, but we're not a building. We are a building without a building. And we're builders. Amen. But if today was the first day of Life Changers Church's existence here in the city of Chicago, here's my message for you. It would be from Mark chapter 5 and verse 19. And Jesus said to a demon possessed man after he had cast the devil out of him, and we could go through that if we have time, but it says in the New American Standard Bible that after this man had been had all these demons cast out of him. He wanted to follow Jesus and go wherever Jesus went. But it says that Jesus did not let him in verse 19, but said to him, go home, go home, go home. Everybody say go home. Jesus would not let him follow with the rest of the disciples, but instead told him to go home. And if I had to press restart on our church here, if I had to press restart on my life here, the first thing I would do is I would say to you and I am saying to you, go home and to your people, to your family, to your friends. One translation says family. One translation says to your people. One translation says to your friends, the King James says, go home to your friends and tell them the great things the Lord has done for you. The New American Standard says, go home to your family and tell them the great thing. Go home to your people and tell them the great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion and mercy on you. The Amplified says Jesus did not let him come, but instead he said to him, go home to your family and tell them, go home to your family. And one one version of the Amplified says, go home to your family and your relatives and your friends. Boy, that really summarizes it all, doesn't it? Go home to your family and your relatives and your friends. I'd add there, go home to your enemies, because some of us have some of those right in our home. <laughs> Jesus said, go home. He refused to let him come with him but instead made him an evangelist and said, go home to your family, to your relatives and to your friends and bring back word to them of how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had sympathy and compassion and empathy and mercy on you. So I want to say this Christmas Eve that what is the lesson of Christmas? What is the Holy Spirit saying to us as people? He's saying, go home. He's saying when we're done worshiping together, when we're done being equipped with spiritual armor and spiritual power and the gifts of the Spirit, and Holy Ghost tongue talk in prayer language. Can I get an amen there? Too? <laughs> That's another reason why some people have a difficult time with with the 
beautiful gift of tongues. It's just sometimes we're just we're in our own head too much. We're 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 too much pride there that we have to we have to understand everything. We have to figure out everything. Well, you know what? This is something that Jesus gives us permission and in fact tells us when you pray in tongues, you're speaking mysteries to God. No one understands. So when you have to fight to understand something, you're fighting against God when he said no one even understands. But you're speaking mysteries to him. Sometimes these simple things about. The Holy Spirit and the and the vulnerableness, the vulnerability of of our worship, the vulnerability of our surrender, the vulnerability. This is how the power of God flows. The power of God does not flow through the smartest men in the world. The power of God flows through anybody who's humble enough to let him use them. The power of God flows through a childlike heart. That understands the kingdom of God belongs to the children. That we Jesus said, unless you humble yourself like this little child. Then you cannot enter the kingdom of God to humble yourself like a child. Jesus did that. If he could do that, how much more should we do that? Wow. This man was told to go home. We need to start winning our homes to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to start having small group, small group gatherings in our homes. We need to start seeing that God gave us a home so that we could win people to the Lord in our home. Because, you know, there's a lot of great preachers in this world. But the one place that every preacher needs to be sure he evangelizes or she evangelizes. The one place that matters most that Jesus is glorified and Jesus's power and presence is manifesting is in the home. You know, for Jesus to say, go home. He wasn't saying it because he didn't want the man to follow him. He was saying it because he wants us to follow this man. And he wants us to realize that God wants our homes filled with good news. You know, we start we stopped watching the news a few years ago. I can't remember the last time I watched the news. I don't really watch it. I don't really even I certainly don't read the newspaper if there is one anymore. I'm not interested in the same news that is told over and over and over again that doesn't change anybody's life. The only news I'm interested in is the good news. And this and if you could leave that verse up, Jesus says to this man, go home and tell your family and your relatives and your friends. All the great things the Lord has done for you. You know, if you just took out a piece of paper and a pen and you started and you had to write down the great things that God has done for you, you know, you would fill up that piece of paper. You know that one story in your life of what God has done for you would fill up more than one piece of paper. 
who knows, you might write a book if you were to tell all of the things, the great things the Lord has done for you. You know, everything the Lord does for you is a great thing. The small things are great things. The big things are great things. The rememberable things are great things. The forgettable things are great things. The things you remember God did for you are great things. The things you can't even remember God did for you are great things. You know, there are things that come back to me now as you get older. This happens, right, Neil? You know this like I do. <laughs> as we get older, we start having more memories. We start remembering more things from our life because if we remembered all of them, at the age of 25 or 30 or 35 or 40, we would be traumatized by all the things that have happened in our lives. But as we get older, we can now remember God can open up our mind to remember certain things that don't traumatize us anymore, but we actually have been healed from. And we can look to the Lord as having done something really great in those moments of our lives. God wants to fill a book and then some of the great things that he's going to do in your life. He's already done so many great things for you. He's already done so many great things for me. And everything he does is a great thing. He saved me. He healed me. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. He changed my mind. He renewed my thinking. He gave me a new outlook on life, a new perspective, a new way of looking at things. He gave me a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And who's on their fifth, sixth or seventh chance here? Go home and tell your family and your relatives and your loved ones and your friends all of the great things God has done for you. Go back and tell them. I mean, I'm telling you seriously, I'm telling you, I'm telling you as as if this was the only thing that mattered in this church and to this church family is that each of us would realize how much impact we can have in our own home. What a difference we can make with our parents, our grandparents, our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, our cousins, our aunties and uncles and all of them. They all if our godchildren and all of the people that we've grown up with. If we would only realize how God has done so many great things and he doesn't tell us to tell our friends to repent, to get right, to change their behavior, to stop smoking dope, to stop drinking, to stop cussing. He doesn't tell us to go home and tell them that. He go, tells us to go home and tell them the great things the Lord has done. He doesn't tell us to tell them all the wrong things they have done. And he doesn't tell us to tell our friends and relatives all the great things we've done. He says, you go tell them all the great things the Lord has done. Boy, this is the cry of Christmas. This is the calling. This is the, our destiny, beloved. That if you can't, if you can't reach your own home, then it's not something you want to export to others. You know, it doesn't mean in your home you have it all together. In your home, you've never made stupid mistakes. In your home and with your family, you've never blown it. You've never hurt one another. And 
and betrayed one another and and got offended at one another, that none of that is relevant to what Jesus is telling us to do here. He knows that we have dysfunction in our lives. He knows that our home life isn't everything we want it to be. Nobody has it all together. Stop listening and believing Instagram and comparing yourself when you look in the mirror at yourself and you're like, what a mess. And you look at other people on Instagram and you're like, oh, they're so beautiful. Oh, they're so fit. Oh, they're so this. Oh, they're so that. Oh, they're so successful. Look at how happy they are. They're 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 projecting an image of happiness. Nobody is that happy. (laughs) It just isn't true. We're being sold lies because we're focused on image protection and image evangelism rather than just telling the people that know us the great things the Lord has done. They know you. So they know whether you're all talk or not. When you go home, you have a mission field. When you drive through your neighborhood, you have a mission field. When you walk out the doors of this church, behold the mission field. Someone said, Pastor, when are we going to go back on summer mission trips together like we did back in the good old days? Behold your mission field. Behold the sports complex, a new mission field that God brought right to our next right next door to us. All the condominium buildings across the street from us on either side. All of that is our mission field. We're not going on a summer mission trip. We're going on a lifetime mission trip. And what is our mission? Go home. And tell your friends and relatives, loved ones, tell them your story. Tell them what the master did. Tell them what Jesus did. Tell them, you know, I was self-righteous. I'm sorry. You know, I bet we could all say that. I think we have to really guard and really wake up to the reality that it isn't like what we think that we've been holding on so long. And somebody wrote me recently, I I can't I can't hold on any longer. Let go then. (laughs) Here's my number one word of wisdom for anybody that can't hold on anymore. Let go. I can't hold on anymore. Pastor. Let go. Oh, no. Well, what would happen? Well, I thought you couldn't hold on. Why? Why is it even an issue if you can't hold on? Then trust God. Because he will never let go of you. He will not let anyone snatch you out of his hand. We have to realize even the things we think we did, it was God working in us or through us or for us or to us or with us. But it was God. 
It was God. Only God could gather a, a room full of people that are so different. Different backgrounds, different ethnic groups, different economic. Wow. And here we are. Worshiping the same Jesus. I want you to really, <clears throat> really be open to starting a small group in your home and invite some people and say, we're going to just talk about the Lord and what he's done for us. We're going to reflect upon the word our God gave us at our church service. We're going to reflect upon what God's been speaking to us as a church family. We're going to reflect upon what we can do to create community and build life that glorifies God and picks up one another when we fall and feel safe that we can tell each other what's going on in our lives. That's the kind of church God is creating us to have. That it's not built around a man other than the man, Jesus. <clears throat> How could a church exist? How could this church exist when I'm not here all the time? Well, that was the Lord's word to me. If it only exists because of you, then it doesn't exist because of me. So there is so much room for our young leaders and old elder type people that have been around for you to rise up and to start groups. We're not about just having a great church service. We're not interested in just having a great church service because honestly, some of our church services are really great, but some of them aren't. So that's why our goal isn't in having a great church service. Our goal is in talking about the great things the Lord has done. And if all of us could start talking like that, if all of us could hear the Holy Spirit speaking through me today that this church is here for you to multiply it, for you to help lead it, for you to help grow it, for you to help take the message of the true Jesus, the authentic Jesus, the introducing people to the real Jesus, introducing people to their true worth and their purpose and their God given potential and transform mindsets that will transform this world, changing mindsets that will change this world. You have the power to do that. Go home and start. Go home and take life changers into your street. Take life changers into the bedroom across the hall with your teenage kid. Take life changers to that person. Take life changers at, to, to your workplace. Have a Bible study at lunch. This is not mean anything. It doesn't mean anything for us to worship Jesus today as a baby in a manger if we don't take him to the world and take him to the streets and take him to our everyday lives and be the ambassadors that God has created us to be. We're ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, ambassadors of reconciliation. If you ask me to tell if there was one word to describe what what God has sent Jesus to do, if there was one word that could describe all that is connected to him and all that is he's involved with and all that he is wanting to do, Jesus is our reconciliation. He's our reconciler. To reconcile means to make peace with something, 
To, to be reconciled to God means that we're at peace with God. Jesus reconciles us to God. Jesus wants us to take that same reconciliation that he's given us with him and take it to see our family reconciled, to see our loved ones reconciled, to see our broken friends and family members reconciled, reconciled to God and reconciled to us and reconciled to one another. Boy, we have to see that Jesus is the he is the the Lord of reconciliation. Being conciliatory means that you're open minded and humble rather than irreconcilable with irreconcilable differences, which is the reason why people describe what what the reason for the divorce is. Now it's just automatically assumed they had irreconcilable differences. No, we just didn't reconcile our differences. They weren't truly irreconcilable. We were just unwilling to reconcile them. I know if anybody's gone through that, that's a painful ordeal. And I'm no judge of anybody. We sh Grace and I should have been divorced 34 times every year. We say we're going to do this one more time, one more, one more round around, one more, one more circle around the sun. You want to do this another time? Oh, yeah, we yeah, one more at least. There's a lot of reasons to to be unreconciled in our lives and in our relationships. But Jesus is the reconciler. And I want you to realize that you are an ambassador of reconciliation. If you can put that verse up, it's in Second Corinthians, Chapter five. Maybe you guys can find that and put that up there. But Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us is a minister of reconciliation. You might not be the one who's called to preach on the platform, but you might be welcome. There'd be plenty of opportunities, but we're all ministers of reconciliation called to win our friends, win our family, win our loved ones to the Lord Jesus Christ. All things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that we might aim to bring others into this harmony with him. Amen. For God, it was in Christ reconciling us to himself. Receiving us into favor, bringing us into harmony with himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by the word and that by that word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. This is each of our ministries and each of our calling. I would say to you, what is the word for Christmas Eve? What is the word for Life Changers Church? Go home. Come. Be taught, be trained be inspired, be encouraged, be equipped, then go home. God wants our homes filled with good news of what he has done. God wants miracles to be shared. When God does a miracle in our life, he wants us to share it with others, not so we can boast, but so that we can say, look, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Jesus says, go home to your friends. He calls them family, but then he calls them friends. Why? 
because God wants our family to become our friends. And he wants our friends to become our family by all bringing them to Jesus and being in the family of God. God wants to reconcile broken families. He wants to heal homes. He wants us to tell our story so that it can spread. He wants all of it to be about what he has done for us, not what we have done for him. He says, go home and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And when you do, you will truly find fulfillment. There is no true joy unless you're able to share the story with somebody, unless you're able to tell someone what God has done. And as in closing, we're going to go out and with a moment of prayer and um, we're going to have a candlelight moment. But I want you to think about this is that many of us have had loved ones that have that have died this year or in the last couple of years. And I want you to know that they too went home. And if they were saved, they went home to be with the Lord. And our final destination is our heavenly home. And there is a voice that is going to say to us one day soon, not soon in earthly terms, but soon by God's measurements, we're going to hear a voice and it's going to tell us, come home, come home. And when we get there, we're going to be able to see our friends and see our loved ones. And we're going to talk for days that is going to turn into weeks and months and years and thousands of years. And you'll stop and pause for telling them all of the great things the Lord has done for you on earth. And now you're coming to heaven. And then they'll tell you of all the things the Lord has done for them. And each one of us will have years and years and ages upon ages and millennium upon millennium of stories to tell, for we will remember everything that day when we go home. We will remember all of the things in between the moments, the in-betweens, when we in between the time we prayed and the time we believed that God did it between the time that we prayed and the time it showed up between the time that we shared with our family members or prayed for them and then they got saved and all the things that happened in between that you'll be privy to all of the things that happened, all the dominoes that had to hit one another for everything to happen the way that it did, because we will find God's handprints and fingerprints on every moment of our lives when we get to heaven. We will see that he was in every success of our life. He was there at every failure. He was there in every word and every moment you thought you knew what was going on. And he was there in every moment you didn't know what was going on. And in every moment you thought you knew what was going on, but you didn't know what was going on are most of the moments because we mostly don't know what's going on. But we do know that his hand is upon us and his fingerprints are on everything of our lives and every relationship in our lives and everything that happened in your life. 
got you to this moment where you would hear this word, where you would be told, go home, where you would be told you are now a minister. You have been anointed to be a minister of reconciliation. You have been anointed to tell people the great things the Lord has done. You've been anointed to start a small group in your home. You've been anointed to go to your community. You've been anointed to serve. You've been anointed to lead. You've been anointed to be a servant. You've been anointed to be an ambassador. You've been anointed to be a reconciler. You've been anointed to make peace and harmony with people that are out of harmony with God. You've been anointed to bring them into harmony with God. And you've been anointed to help them to see that they too can be reconciled to this great father that we call Abba, our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be his name. Glory to the name of our heavenly father, Abba, who loves us so. Now I bestow upon you the ministry of reconciliation. I bestow upon you the ambassadorship of reconciliation to be a peace bringer, a peacemaker, a reconciler between God and man, a reconciler between family members, the reconciler between those that have never been reconciled before, a reconciler in your home, a reconciler in your neighborhood, a reconciler in your jobs and in your business for first and foremost. We are ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation. I bestow upon you a new anointing to reconcile, to lead groups, to be servants, to have gifts and anointings flow through you. I bestow on you gifts through my words and through the connection to this church body. He truly is the vine and we are the branches. And now the vine's life is flowing into each of the branches and each of us are meant to bring others into this cluster of beautiful, broken lives. And now we, too, can bring others home to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for coming today and worshiping with us today. I want to pray for your miracle and our team is going to come up and we're going to worship. And we're going to dim the lights in a moment before we do. I want to invite anybody who would like to give towards your miracle in motion, give towards your family salvation. We have a we call it a miracle service because every one of us needs a miracle. We can't pay for it. We can't earn it. We can't. But what we can do is we can expect it and we can pay it forward and plant a seed for somebody else's miracle. So we're going to receive our special year end Christmas Eve miracle offering. Our team will give you um, an envelope if you need it or you can give online and you can give on QR code will be on the screen in a moment. But all of these represent prayers and requests and people that have 
been asking us to pray for them. Every one of these and some of these have many people's names on each page. There's so many people and so many prayer requests. And this symbolizes the needy world that we're in that needs miracles. And I wish you could see some of these pray for my Christian husband to be set free from bondage of crack and alcohol through the finished work of the cross. Pray for my family for peace, protection, God's plan for their life. Pray against all the schemes of the enemy that are coming against my family. Please pray for my family, especially my nephew and for his mental health. Boy, mental health and mental illness is such a uh, it's such an important thing that cannot be understated or or cannot be ignored. Uh, Pray for healing of cancer, cancerous tumors manifested. Man, we're just believing for manifested healing for these people. We're believing for family members, salvation, peace and healings, miracles, of deliverance from cancer, from addictions, from sickness and disease, prayers for suddenly suffering from diseases in my body. I don't know where it came from or what's wrong with me, but please pray for me. I'm stressed and discouraged. How many people are discouraged? Please pray for my healing. Please pray for my deliverance. I'm suffering greatly from the damage that's in my body and in my soul. Uh, Please pray for my prenatal appointment. It's very scary and we have a serious issue with our baby. We're seeing a specialist tomorrow. God, heal these, heal this baby, heal this womb in Jesus name. You're the God of miracles, Lord. You're Emmanuel. You're God with us. We are asking for your healing and miracle breakthrough. I pray, Lord, for these lost family members that need salvation. We pray for them. We pray for the people who are writing into us that are so depressed and mentally burdened and heavy laden with anxiety and depression. Oh, man, there's so many. Lord, there's more than we can count. The people, the prayers, the miracles that are needed. I'm asking you, Lord, and we're asking as a church that you would do miracles in our midst. You don't do miracles because we deserve them. You do miracles because you're a miracle working heavenly father. And Jesus took all of our sin and all of our sickness and disease, all of our shame, all of the curses on the cross. We pray for a miracle.